This is the World Innovators Podcast with your host, Donna Peterson. I am so excited to be here today. I am with a marketing veteran who has had the opportunity to work in both the B2B and the B2C space. And since March, we've all seen marketing has taken a huge leap into the future. And sitting down with this individual right now is going to help us see how companies need to pivot right now in order to be up there with their competition. But before we get started, I am Donna Peterson, and you are listening to The Innovators. This is where we are sitting down with marketing executives from all over the world to hear about their innovative ways of how they're going to market outside the box to help build those quality relationships. Today, I am speaking with Barbara Falk. She has been in marketing for over 20 years. And as I mentioned, she's been in both the B2C and the B2B space. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning. Nice to uh, be chatting with you. Yeah, nice talking to you too. It's it's not very often I get to speak to someone who has, how we say, been on both sides of the aisle. You know, both with exactly. the and both with the business. So I'm very excited today. So let's get started and jump right in. We know we've all seen a lot of changes since COVID hit in March, and marketing. You know, some companies stopped and some ramped up. But what do you think are some of the biggest trends you are going to see going into 2021? Um, you know, first of all, I'm seeing the trend of B2B and B2C being less um, different, really more. It, it's a lot of it is that the practices are really merging together. And I was seeing some of it before the pandemic, but I'm seeing even more of it Um you know, during and, and now going forward into 2021. Um, so one of the, if, if we were going to talk about like with B2B, what I'm, what I'm listening to webinars and talking with people um, in the industry, industry experts about this is that B2B, you really have to um, develop personal relationships with your audience and with your clients. And that's, to me, is a shift from when I was working exclusively in the B2B world. I'm used to keep, your, you know, everything personal, separate. And now it's really, um, you know, as we've talked about prior to this, we're on Zoom, we're on videos, we're seeing people's houses, we're seeing their dogs get in the picture, you know, the doorbell <laughs> ring. So it's really becoming much more personal. And so you need to go um, and really, you know, be cognizant of that. And 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 B two B, it's it's just which is nice because that that tended to separate out. And so when I was in B two B, one of the um, one of the pieces that I liked about going over to B to C. Um, or the attributes was more of the personal touch um, instead of just, and, and, you know, instead of just going and just speaking to people, you know, you're sort of with your business voice. Um, another trend that I'm, I'm hearing about and I am seeing is that um, there's going to be more virtual events. Um, they had been, you know, some of it had been done, but there really hadn't been much. A lot of it was people wanted to go to live events, meet people in person, interact that way. And then of course, virtual events became a necessity um, pretty much in March. And what I'm hearing is that it's no longer just a temporary fix um, going forward. It's going to be a 
there's going to be a hybrid. Ver uh, live events will come back, maybe not until second half of 2021 or, or later, but um, certainly companies um, are still going to go and work on virtual events. I know myself with an association that I'm involved with, um, the MCMA, which is the Media and Content Marketing Association. We went from six live events a year to, in the space of April to July, about 10 virtual events, and our events have still been virtual. And what we found was we were drawing in new audiences. We were getting more people to attend because when they weren't in person in New York City, people didn't have to invest the time, didn't have to invest the uh, a flight, didn't have to invest several days. It could be just getting on um, a in a virtual event in a virtual room for an hour or an hour and a half. So I think that that's definitely going to stay. Um, and it, it also, too, it really can help your bottom line because your return on investment is better um, because you're not paying for space. Yes, you do have, I mean, I think that there's people there's a fallacy where people think, well, a webinar doesn't cost anything. We have to pay for the platform and you may have to pay for people in the background to sort of run this, but it's going to be less than going and paying for a venue and paying for food and, and so forth. Yeah. Um, and also podcasting. Mm -hmm. And I've been hearing a lot about podcasting. And again, that's not something you would think of for the B2B world, but it's really coming of age and it, I think it's here to stay. Um, I myself love podcasts, but I tend to listen to more of the uh, pop culture, the entertainment. Uh, really, I use it to escape, but um, I don't think in the past that it was really considered for B2B, but I'm hearing now that B2B, um, they are using podcasts, again, as a way to engage their audience, keep people connected. Um, and and that's, that's sort of then a nice segue into the next thing is that I think with marketing, it's all about building relationships and community, a sense of community, and more so now than ever, there's a real need for community. And I think that's another, um, th that's something else that's really bringing B2C and B2B together. Whereas B2B, it was, you know, you reached out to one person and, or you reached out to the company, but people want to be able to, to connect with other um, customers. And they just want to, everyone wants to have that sense of community and what's working and what's not working. So um, that's really becoming an expectation and uh, companies are gonna to have to start thinking about incorporating that and building those modules in to their business models of as far as connecting their customers together. Um, and, I and agree. Also yeah, yeah. I just is the to... whole Oh, I was just going to say, I, I agree with all those points. And it's interesting because I'll speak to companies where, you know, the upper executives are of the older mindset where it still has to be very professional and we still have to keep them separate. And so I find it's now an educational process. You know, you need to educate them about, like you said, how these communities can help grow these relationships, you know, that you can build upon. You know, people, exactly. yeah, because otherwise people are just shopping around. And if you're just mediocre or if they're just looking for price, they're going to find someone else at a lower price. But if you have that community, that relationship, that bond, that will be long-term and they'll be back using your services over and over. I agree. And, and I think that really came out of the, that was one of something that, 
was sparked by the internet. I mean, you know, before the internet, you, you know, you tended to stick with one company because the work involved to try to find somebody else was <laughs> just yeah. too difficult. Right. And, um, you know, but with the internet, there's always, well, I can go and I can find somebody else. I can get something for less. I mean, there's just a lot more out there. Oh, you could Google it and research everything. And exactly. reviews, you know, that's why people have to understand putting that educational material or getting good reviews out there are important because people are doing their research work almost before they contact you. Exactly. And so that, and so you really also have to be aware of what your customers are saying about you because, um, I'm sorry, no we'll worries. have to edit that out. Um, <laughs> You have to, you really need to go and also focus on your reputation management. And that's a big piece of it too, because um, again, with the internet and people are going to post things, um, the whole viral, you know, it used to be, you might get one, you might get a call or a few calls into your customer service, but it wouldn't get any farther than that. And you could address those. Now you could get someone contacting your customer service, but they could all, also post um, on social media. Yeah. and so forth and really um it, you know there's a <laughs> of course yeah. it's extremely negative so you need to think about how to address that so it's really going and making sure that your customers needs are met that you know what their needs are um and it's like also, we, also like yesterday when we talked about if companies are going to put their mission statement out there mm -hmm. like let's say you're an environmental or we're going to do this or we're going to donate this much to saint jude's you better walk the talk because people now can research and see if you've actually done what you're saying or if you're staying true to your mission. So like you said, it's all very transparent now. It really is. And so, um, and people want to feel so that they're going and working with a company that does good things um, and that does good things for, um, and has a purpose and has a mission. And so I think that those are really, it, Again, I think it's trend. I think it's become more apparent in 2020, and maybe just because people were home, and and so there was just more focus on. You know, I think people just had more time to to dig or dig deeper. But it's it's here to stay. Yeah, I agree. I think you know during this COVID, I think one thing that did come out of it, it made everyone kind of slow down, maybe become more family oriented, or just being at home made us all think a little bit, almost like getting off that hamster wheel for a while and thinking. And like you said, it's more about the whole picture. Are we helping each other out or, you know, donating to this cause or being more environmental? You know, I think it finally got people to slow down to think about those issues. And I think more people are implementing it and donating. But exactly. Tell me more about this association that you're in. That you mentioned. Um, so I am, I, I, it's an association called the um, Media and Content Marketing Association, and it's based out of New York. And it, it's really sort of a, a comprised of, of earlier variations of other associations that, that were um, for fulfillment marketers and audience marketers. Um, and I've been a member for many years. And then in 2016, I was asked to, to join the board, um, 
to join the programming committee and I was just a participant on it. And then in 2017, I started leading the programming committee and coming up, you know, so I would lead the group. We would have discussions every week about um, developing programs that we thought would be relevant and helpful for our members, some educational, some fun. Um, we did six in-person events a year. Um, we did a big, what we called MCMA day, which was like round tables and we brought in speakers and so forth. Um, and we used to do two webinar sessions a year. And it was really out of necessity because we did it in January and February because we knew that the weather was gonna be bad. And then if we didn't off, inevitably there'd be a snowstorm and we'd have to cancel our event. <laughs> They were never very, you know, they weren't particularly well attended in the past, and it was a very rudimentary platform we were working on. But because of COVID, we really had to, on a dime, just, you know, develop. Now yeah. everything had to be done virtually. So now, um, you know, we got together as a group pretty much as soon as the pandemic started. We had a March event, like, scheduled, like, the week after. It was, oh, like, my. the third week of March that we had to cancel. And then it was really just going and, um, you know, just, again, we wanted to go and have that sense of community and keep our members engaged and let them know we were there for them and try to help them. Um, you know, people, some of, some of our members um, were losing their jobs and really trying to do networking. And again, to keep, you know, people, because a lot of what we did was networking. People would come and meet in person and, and talk and so forth. So here it was just a way to stay connected and, and people just raising their hands and volunteering and how can I help you? And um, so we developed all of these programs with industry leaders, bringing them in to talk about different parts of uh, pretty much the publishing world, but you know, what was going on with um, print and was it now switching over to digital products and how fulfillment was, was handling things and how, um, what um, printers, you know, the printers themselves yeah. were doing and so forth. And again, just a sense of community, what, what else were people were doing to go and reach their audiences, yeah. other types of marketing that they were doing. Um, and then in the fall, we went and did set up five different educational, uh, like candid conversation sessions where it was on video and you know, we would have about 50 to 75 people and just sharing ideas, learning things uh, to the sessions where we had actual designers and copywriters talking about the basics, because that's something that um, people new to the industry aren't even getting anymore. And we felt right. as though that that was something important to have when I started out in the industry, when I was actually almost like trained by my manager on how to do everything. Just, that just doesn't happen anymore. So it was really almost to go back to marketing 101. Yeah. Um, That's very important because I think you and I discussed the other day, um, I'm part of the New England Direct Marketing Association, and I've sat even down with the United States Postal Service because they realize that colleges are not teaching people going for marketing degrees about direct mail or how to get quality lists to use. You know, the social side, yes, you know, these younger generation definitely have the social down pat, but it's some of that traditional marketing techniques that you need to implement with the social to build those relationships that we're talking about. And so it, it's just very interesting, you know, people are going back to some of those traditional roots and it's great your association was doing that. 
Exactly. And knowing that, you know, there are people who do send out mail and people still like mail. And even in, I, I think that there's a, there's a thought out there, you know, the school thought that um, the millennials or the Gen Z's may not like mail, but you know what? Oh. They do. Yeah. They do like mail and they do like the tactile. And um, I, I was actually listening in on a webinar a few weeks ago where um, it was a, with a vendor and they were saying that most of their clients did everything digitally and was sending out email. But what they found was there was so much email and so much, people were spending so much time on their computers and there was no break in the day. It wasn't like, okay, it's 5.30. I need to get up from my desk and get in my car and go home yeah. or commute or yeah. whatever. There was no break in the day. And so emails were just getting, the whole digital and emails were getting lost. And so they had a client who went and started sending out within a series of promotions, a direct mail. And that improved their response because it was like something different. Yeah. And so direct mail is not dead. It's really... Yeah. Um, if it can be used in the right way, it, you don't have to go out with these mass mailings anymore, but it can be done where it's personalized, which is important. Um, but you can, you know, get your, the message across and build up excitement, even if, you know, even if it's, you're still going to be sending them um, an email or an offer digitally, but still build up the excitement through something that's, again, the tactile experience. Yeah, um, I've heard, I've heard unbelievable mail pieces where I think it was a car dealership and you opened it up and you even got that smell of a new car smell. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, that tactile, you know, they had parts that felt like the actual steering wheel cover. So it was like a leather steering wheel. And so it offers so much more. People think it's direct mail. It's just a piece of paper that, you know, they get, oh, there is so much more you can do with direct mail now. And, you know, someone going to the mailbox, I don't have a letter right here, but think about it. You look at a letter and you look at the address, that gets more time than a subject line on an email. Because if you're like me in the morning, we come down, we have a bunch of emails and we're going through and you're just hitting the delete button. You know, you see who exactly. it's from. Yeah, you're not really reading the subject line even because you know after a while which ones, you know, you just delete. So even if you're going to toss your direct mail piece, I think it gets more eyes on it than the email. And I think incorporating it, like you said, with the email and the social, that's how you're going to be able to build up these quality relationships with people that will make them long-term customers. And that's what's important. And I think that was, um, I mean, I know when I worked, you know, exclusively in B2B, a lot of the um, directive was getting the quantity. We had to make the quantity. And, but I think now it's really a switch to more the, yeah, quantity is important, but you need to, you really have to get the quality of people. And it's more important to get a high quality um, audience who are gonna be engaged. Yes. Who are going to go and um, communicate with the advertisers, yeah. you know, especially if that's how your business model is, where it's ad driven um, and that's how it's monetized. Um, or or it's at, or the, the business model is monetized so they buy products from you, you know, from mm -hmm. you as the business. And, you know, so you can get, you know, 100,000 people, but if no one is using your service, well, what, what's the point of that? Where you get people, the high quality people are the ones that 
are going to go and accept the offer and pay for it and renew and want to go and know what else you're going to be producing and um, are also your advocates, which is yes. really important for going and building an audience is, is the whole advocacy and, and the loyalty. And then there's just so much to it. So it's really quality has really become very important. Well, you know, and that also plays into when people will say, oh, well, postal's too expensive. Well, if they take the time, like you said, and go after only that quality segment, instead of sending out a 10,000 piece mailing, which yes, you'll have the mail piece, but then remember you have all the postal mm -hmm. postage that you're going to pay for. If you go to maybe only 2,000, that's a quality piece. It's not as expensive as people think because you get a higher return on it. And exactly. So sticking to the quality is the way to go. And I've even done some campaigns. This is with Harvard Kennedy School where we'll send out an email blast and then only the people who opened or clicked on the promotion get the mail piece. So we're already starting to see that they're interested in the programs. That's great. Yeah, that's a perfect way to do it. Yeah. So it's all very, very interesting. So I, my next question to you was going to be back in the day when, you know, you and I were working and I was helping you at McGraw-Hill in promoting, you know, engineering news record. We were always looking for direct mail and we were looking for quality lists at the time. And I almost think we kind of already answered it that I wanted to know if you thought direct mail was going to be a viable channel in the future. And I think, do you agree that'll be a viable channel both for B2B and B2C? Yes, I, I definitely do. Yeah, good, good. I think that just gives a nice all around, like I said, communication with the individual, catching them where they want. You know, I am a little old school. I still like to, you know, buy my books. I like to <laughs> read my mail, but I've heard one person equating going down to their mailbox as like being the dog who used to wait at home, waiting for the owner to come to take them for a walk. <laughs> Like every day, he's just waiting for the mail truck to come because then he, you know, walks to the mailbox because like you said, people don't have that end anymore of getting in the car to leave the office. They're at home working all day. Exactly. And yeah, I know my mail comes at say five o'clock. So then I know, okay, well that's, you know, if I want to go check my mail, then that's when I'm going to get up and leave. And that's a good break to do it with. So um, I do think direct mail is, is here to stay. Um, Good. Yeah, I yeah. agree. All right. Well, I think this has been great, but I wanted to know during this time, has there been anything new that you've done or a new book or movie, or did you binge watch any TV shows? Um, yes, we binged, we binged watched um, all the seasons of the crown. Uh, no, we'd have to do, I think season four, whatever's the current season still. Um, but we, we are binge watching now the Americans. Oh, okay. And that had been on FX and we didn't watch it when it was originally on. And um, we are now into the final season. Nice. And which had 10 episodes and we've already watched the first episode. So, so by the weekend, we should pretty much finish. Nice. Um, yeah, but I, I've did also... the, I did the crowns myself. We did Victoria. I don't know if you did Victoria. Oh, yes. I'm, it's on my list. I have so many things on my queue and it's just... Um, we were doing it at the beginning where we were binge watching a lot of things. And then 
you know, then the warmer weather came and it was like, well, at least yeah. we want to just be outside and so forth. But yeah, now is a good time to do it. Um, and, but I've also taken up cooking again, uh-huh. which I'd really gotten away from. Um, I'd always like to cook, but when I was commuting, it was like, I just didn't have the time. I didn't want to come home. Well, you're too tired by the time you yeah. get home to start cooking. It's like, uh, I, I'm with you. It's like, uh, you know. But now you start. So were you one of those people that started a banana bread recipe? (laughs) I didn't. I actually started a no need um, bread recipe. I had for the holidays, I got a Dutch oven and I I knew that you could make bread in it. And but I didn't want to. I'm just with these baking things, something with kneading. I just I just don't know enough about it, how to do it to make it right. So I found this recipe on Pinterest for no need bread making. And so you put the four ingredients together, you let it mix it all up, you let it sit on the counter for eight hours to rise. Then you put it in the Dutch oven. And it got to the point where um, uh, my son, who's, you know, is still home with us. And he went and he said to me, "Uh, aren't you going to make this like every night? (laughs) (laughs) And you said, no, I do work full time. It was just like he would go and we would, the three of us would sit down and we would have, you know, half a loaf of dinner. And then he would go and like hide the rest of it from us so that we couldn't <laughs> eat it because he wanted to eat it the next day. Um, you go up to his room and you find all this bread under his bed or something. <laughs> it wouldn't even get, you know what, it wouldn't even get that far. I think he finished it that, yeah, I think he would finish it that night. And so I was like, well, you know, okay, let, let's take a break from the bread for a bit. So that, that's what I started doing, but just getting back and just cooking things and, um, you know, again, not just throwing something together and going, you know, this is dinner, you know, sometimes, oh, we're just going to have cereal because there's no time for anything by the time everybody got home. And all back to the quality, you know, sort of like what we were talking about with marketing, it kind of went exactly. Now we're starting to cook actual dishes versus, you know, the quesadilla or my worst thing is oatmeal. I will, you know, in a pinch at night, I'll make oatmeal for dinner. And I know that's not your normal dinner for, you know, regular people. So now we're trying to definitely do it with lots of vegetables and everything. So exactly. Exactly. There's time for it. And then one other um, really positive scene is people just being friendlier, really wanting to network. Um, I know my LinkedIn um, connections have really grown. I've been, things I didn't have time for where it was like a networking group that met midday or one that met at seven o'clock at night up in Northern New Jersey. And I live in central New Jersey. And I was like, I I could never get there. Now just get on the computer at, at the assigned time. And I've met so many people and people then we'll go and connect with you afterwards and go, how can I help you? And yeah. so there's really, again, it goes back to that whole community. People want to go and yeah, it's just want to help out and really like, how, what can we do for each other? Yep. I agree with that. And that is why I think companies really have to pivot quickly, stop mm-hmm. doing kind of their old way of marketing and get on this. I don't want to say bandwagon because I kind of like the way marketing is going. I like that idea of quality and relationships. You know, our company has been around for 40 years. So, you know, it's been all about the relationships along the way, but I think that's what we all need to do. But Barbara, I really thank you very much for spending this time with us today. I found this to be very enjoyable 
And I, I, too. I agree, you know, if more of us can start talking about the quality of marketing, I think it will be in a better place, both B2C and B2B. Exactly. Well, it was my pleasure. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Have a great Bye. day. You Bye. too. Bye. Thank you for listening to the World Innovators Podcast. For more information about today's topic, email us at dpeterson at worldinnovators.com or call 860-210-8088. And please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a future episode.